It is good to see you all, like I've said numerous times, and I mean it every single time that I say it. It is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to be back home, to see you all, to see all your smiling faces, and unfortunately you have to stick up with mine for a little bit. Um, but let's, let's um, open up with a word of prayer, and I just want to share them what's on my heart lately. God, we thank you for who you are and what you do. Lord, we thank you for for you, God. We thank you for your um, abundant love, your overflowing love, God, that you just pour out so much. And we may not do the same, but for some reason you continually, continually wrap us in your arms and love us forevermore, God. Is uh, this word that you have given me and that what I'd like to share that's been on my heart for a long time, God, may it be used, may it be blessed, God, and let it not be of Mine own, my own understanding, God, but let it be of yours and for those who listen. Lord, we thank you and we love you in your name. Amen. Well, I, I, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to preach on. You know, there's, there's too many options. Sometimes I just, I was sitting in my room last night and uh, I was just thinking to myself, like, what on earth do I preach on? You know, I mean, there's, so many different things from, you know, taking Old Testament, New Testament at school. I mean, there's numerous things from, you know, Ezekiel to, you know, I thought about talking from Elisha or Ezekiel or Elijah. I mean, there's just numerous, numerous things. And I, I was just praying last night and I was listening to um, one of my favorite, favorite worship groups, which is Bethel Worship. If you don't listen to them, you must check them out. Bethel is phenomenal. And if a little bit of ad for them, even though they don't pay me to do this, you must check out their CD, You Make Me Brave. It is a new release, and you will absolutely love it. It is truly inspiring. But anyways, besides that, my little infomercial, um, I was listening to their song, uh, I think it's called Move, and also their song, um, it's, I think it's called With Dance or Dance With, and it, it, it talks about being so consumed by God. And that's one thing that, you know, I was, I was praying about yesterday and this past couple of weeks after Pastor had let me know um, and had asked me, I, I was just like, you know, may, maybe I should cr- make something creative, something catchy that will kind of hit him with a left hook at the last second and be like, oh, I didn't think of that, you know, or be like famous preachers like, Francis Chan, who get all emotional sometimes when they preach, or you never know. And not that saying emotional is bad, but you know, I, I've been I've been thinking, what exactly uh, do you want me to preach on, God? What do you want me to share? And I remember him saying to me, "I want you to share what's on your heart." And lately, I, I've been um, not dealing with or struggling with, but been so enamored by. Um, God's presence and what it means to really preach. And that's what I've really just been uh, praying about lately and thinking about lately, how God is so consumed by us and we are so consumed by God and how that continually grows throughout our walk with him. And I've just been so, I guess, wrapped up with that lately. You know how there's different things where you go through phases in your walk with God of what is like, it's almost like your favorite movie. You watch your newest movie, like I just saw um, 
is it Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was the sequel to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. That has been like my biggest flick lately, you know? You're like, I gotta go see it again, I gotta watch it again, or I saw Transformers 4 and it was horrible, don't go see it. But, you know, there's, I didn't really like it. I didn't like it. It didn't have much of a plot, but <laughs> that's my own personal opinion. Um, but it's, it's something that, it's like your favorite movie, or a movie that you've just recently seen, or a CD that you've just recently heard, or the recent song on the radio, it's, it's something that consumes you. It's always going through your head. I've had um, Play It Again by Luke Bryan stuck in my head, and I don't even like country music. And it's been stuck in my head, but not that I'm consumed by it, but am I making sense here? That there's something that happens lately in your life or a movie that you've lately seen that just consumes you. That song has been playing through your head, those movie quotes that have been coming out of your mouth or those, you know, those different songs that you've been hearing, and it, it begins to consume you, not in a bad way, not in a bad way, but it just begins flowing through your head. And as I was praying, I was trying to decide um, who would be a good example of a person in the Bible who was so consumed with God that he had to share it. And I couldn't think of anyone else better than Paul. I, I don't know about, you know, uh, who, I, me, me personally, if there was one person I'd love to meet in heaven besides Jesus and God, you know, put that out there, it would be Paul. I am so, Paul is awesome. It, it, he's probably one of my favorite men of God in the Bible. He's such a neat man and how much, I, I guess it would be a, a true example of how God can take something that is so, run down something that is so evil, something that is so wretched and awful and make it something truly amazing. You know, I, and I was thinking, I was like, where exactly do I want to talk about? Where, where can I find scripture that relates with the idea of being consumed by God, so consumed by him that we want to preach about it? And that's kind of what I wanted to uh, title my message, look, it's up there real nice, uh, called Continually Preaching. I had thought about different things. I wanted to share the story about Rahab and, and, and the spies and how she let them through, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. But then I thought, you know what, let's talk about Paul, because that has been on my heart lately, is continually preaching. Um, and that's one thing that I've realized is definitely working at um, East Coast RVs right behind Bedford Ford is there are a lot of people, and as you folks know, there are a lot of people who don't know God. And there are a lot of people who are generally miserable people. People who maybe have done nothing with their life. People who don't know any better but to do nothing with their life. And I guess that's really hit me lately. And one of my friend's uh, co-workers that works there, he goes to the Everett Assembly of God. And that's one thing we've been talking about is continually preaching. Is when it seems like there's no hope, when it seems like things are pretty dim, how do we move through that? And that's kind of what I want to talk about. If we can move to the first scripture, which would be 2 Timothy, I think I have it here. I think it's chapter four I have, right? Correct? Let's, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter four. You know, a funny story as we're turning there, I had, um, probably shouldn't share this because everybody will think less of me. Um, I had all my, my Bibles, my message Bible and my um, NIV Bible, my fire Bible. Uh, I had it in my backpack and I had my MacBook in there because I was going to use my MacBook today, but I didn't need it. I was like, oh, I'll just grab my MacBook because it was sitting on my stand charging. And I didn't even think about it and I left my Bibles at home. So you can say that I'm pretty much less of a person because of that now. <laughs> but um, let, let's start with, with chapter four. Uh, this is Paul talking to Timothy. Um, 
and kind of just sharing with him what's been on Paul's mind and what Paul, uh, what goals Paul has for Timothy. Um, so let, let's, just, let's just read through the whole chapter. That's one thing I've really been working on lately is, you know, people, nothing wrong with pulling out specific scriptures, but I like to read through the whole thing. That way it kind of gives you the picture of what's going on. So uh, let, let's start here with the beginning of chapter four. It says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And Paul, it says personal remarks, and what Paul kind of goes into of what Paul has been going through personally lately. This is what he says. Do your best to come to me quickly for Damis, I would say Damis, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Um, Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychius to Ephesus, which well, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus and Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to the end, to the heavenly kingdom, to be glory forever and ever. Amen. In his final greetings, he says, greet Priscilla and Aquila in the house of Onesiphorus and Aratus, stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus, sick, and Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Ebulus greets you, and so does Pudens, uh, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. The Lord will be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Now, that is a lot to take in. <laughs> you know, and that's one thing I've been really trying to work on in my sermons and as I grow uh, in my relationship with God. I've been trying to work on throwing a whole bunch at myself and taking a whole chapter and then breaking apart in pieces. And I, I think it just sometimes blows my mind of how consumed Paul was by Christ and by God. I mean, if you really think about it, this man went through literally heaven and what's opposite of heaven. <laughs> he went through heaven and hell. He has been through every possible thing. This man has killed Christians, he has tortured Christians, and he has been tortured himself. 
if you think about it, it's just truly amazing what Paul went through because it's amazing what Paul went through in order to further the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to talk about is how can we use Paul as an example for our own lives? And I, I was praying about it and thinking, and I don't, I don't want to, which ends up happening more than often, is share a long sermon. Um, I don't want to prolong this and stretch it out. I want to get straight to the point. I have had a couple of speakers at chapel come in, and they would come in and share a 15-minute sermon, and they would floor me with it. And now, now I'm not saying long sermons are bad. That's not what I'm trying to say. Some sermons take more. There's more explaining to do. There's more breaking down. But this, this message, I want it to be a simple message, an encouraging message and a challenging message. And it, it, as I was reading through uh, 2 Timothy, and I, I, I was praying about it and just pondering upon it and thinking upon it and meditating upon it, and I, I was trying to decipher how can I relay a simple message through the example of Paul because Paul was a very complex man. Paul was certainly a very highly esteemed man. Paul was, you know, world renowned. Paul was a great man. He was a very intelligent human being, but yet at the same time, a very relatable. Would that, that be the right word? Relatable human being? I guess it'd be the right word. I make up words if I want to. Um, but that, that's, that's what I was trying to focus on. And I love um, how Paul talks about it here. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And, and, and as, as I was deciphering this and breaking it down, I was realizing what Paul was warning us of. Paul was saying, be diligent, be hungry after God, you know, be consumed by God, get to know who God is, but also beware of those who like to manipulate and change the scripture for their own, be the right word, for their own, um, I don't know what the word is, but for their own gain would be the right word, for their, for their own gain. And that, that is kind of what Paul has been um, pondering upon and thinking upon in Second Timothy and what he was sharing with Timothy as well. And can I be honest for a second? Can I be honest? Is that okay? Is honesty okay? I mean, not that I would want to lie. <laughs> but something that has been on my heart lately that is not that I'm doubting God. Not that I'm questioning God, but I think that God sometimes likes us to be honest with him. That's something that I've been working on personally, whether it be with personal struggles, family struggles, relationship struggles, whatever it may be, coworker struggles. Sometimes it's easy to think that God is not there, that you sometimes wonder, how can God be in this situation? Um, how can God work through this? How could God work through a person like me? And that's the example that I wanted to show in Paul. If you think about Paul, Paul, like I said earlier, had murdered people, had killed people, had persecuted Christians. And it's amazing how God can take something like that and 
totally revamp it and transform it. I think that's truly amazing and what God wants to do with us personally. And that's what's been on my heart lately. You know, what can God do within me? How can God transform me? How can God continually have me grow? How can I continually grow in God's presence? Uh, to be honest, sometimes it's, it's rather difficult, not to say that I have it tough, but is being 19, you know, I'm not that old. Everybody thinks at their age 19 that they own the whole world, that they know everything. But that's something that I've, I have been trying to work on is learning to be humble. That is a difficult, difficult, difficult thing. There are many things that I would like to afford. There are many things that I would like to do. Would I like to have a higher paying job? Yes. I'm 19, I don't expect to be making a lot of money, <laughs> you know? But that's one thing that I've been not struggling with, but dealing with or trying to get over is that at the age of 19, um, I face my share of struggles, yes, but I'm only 19. <laughs> you know, life can get easier, life can get harder. It depends what life throws at you. But that's the beauty of God, the beauty of what God can do for us and what God does in us. And so, I went on a little tangent there, but how that ties in is that Timothy, I think it was Timothy, was a very young man. And there was times where Timothy was eager to go into the ministry and go full-fledged and go. But Paul had to teach him that you are still young. You still have many things to, to learn, many things to work on, many things to grow in. And that's what I've been working on lately, and that's what I wanted to talk about, is that no matter where we are in our life, age, maturity, spiritual maturity, whatever it may be, is that being humble through all of it, God rewards it. You know, that's one thing that I, I've learned is that do I have big dreams for myself? Yes, we all have big dreams for ourselves. I want to go do this. I would love to preach at this church. I would love this opportunity. But I have to know that in order to reach that goal, in order to get that goal, I have to be grounded in my faith. And I have to be humble. I have to work at it. I have to learn. And that's what Paul is teaching Timothy. He's saying, Timothy, you have to be humble. You have to learn. You have to grow. You have to move forward in your relationship with Christ. You can't be complacent. You cannot be happy or content with where you're at. He's, he's challenging Timothy to go forward. Not backwards. Yes, do we slide backwards? Yes, but go forward. And that's, that's what Paul is talking about here. He's saying, Timothy, people will discourage you. People will twist scripture. I mean, I, I was watching a video of, I'm not gonna mention the religion, um, of another religion who had twisted scripture. And there was a Christian, and he said, I will not go by that. I will not have this scripture twisted because that would be going against what God says. That would be denying the Holy Spirit. He said, I cannot go against that. And he stood up for that. And that's what Paul is saying is beware of those who will twist things, who will break you down, who will hurt you. Let's be honest. The world is not an easy place. The world will break you down, in the words of Rocky, in my, one of my, his, new, his oldest movie, he said, the world will break you down to your knees. The world will hit you with the best hit possible. But it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and still get back up. 
And that, that's what Paul is explaining to Timothy. And I know that I'm not going real deep in this, and when I love to go deep into my sermon, yes. But I want this to be something very simple, something that we all can grab wherever we are in life, whatever situation we're dealing with, whatever we're going through. We can use Paul as an example, and Timothy as an example, as growing and moving forward in our relationship with Christ. And... Um, I guess that's something that I also enjoy about Paul is how honest Paul can be. You know, that's whether it be we're struggling with something and we're questioning God, we're saying, God, why would you do this? Why would you let this happen to me? God enjoys that honesty because the moment that we're honest with God is the moment that we're honest with ourselves. Because you could deny things, you could move things behind you, you know, with a personal story of myself in, in high school, I had a lot of issues. I had issues with, I had a girlfriend issue, I mean, which is not like a major insane issue, but I, I'll be honest, I had an issue with liking girls. I, you know, I, it's something that consumed me and something that eats you apart and it starts to move at you and it starts to go at you. And it's something that if you keep denying that you don't have a problem, eventually you believe that lie. But it's all about being honest with yourself because the moment with you're honest with God and yourself is the moment where you're reaching a place where you're so broken down and you're so barren that you can grow and you can only move forward from there. People always say that sometimes you have to hit rock bottom in order to grow and move forward. I say that's true, yes, but at the same time, you don't have to hit rock bottom. <laughs> you can always grow and move forward from where you're at, but sometimes it takes that. I'm sure Timothy hit rock bottom a few times, being, Timothy being a young man, saying, I have these great, wonderful dreams. I have these ideas, these things that have been racing through my head. I have these things that I want to share with people that I want to show people, and I, I want people to experience what I've experienced but Paul tells Timothy, be patient. Be grounded in your faith. <laughs> Paul gives Timothy a command to go. And that's what, I wanted to, that's what I wanted to get out of this message, is that God commands us to go. We all face hardships. Um, I was gonna go into a little bit of Joshua and Luke, um, I don't have to go into it. I can paraphrase most of it. You can check it up later to make sure that I'm right and I'm correct and I'm not lying. <laughs> um, but you look at, I was talking about Joshua 3 where, um, let's, let's turn to Joshua 3. Let's do that. I was trying to find, in my prayers last night, in my studying, I was trying to find um, good examples of people besides Paul that never ceased their preaching. They continually preached. And I guess that Joshua would be a good example of this. And you can read through um, Joshua 3, but what he talks about in Joshua 3 is Joshua is saying, and the story is being told of whenever they had to cross the Jordan River and they had the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if I could put this into perspective, let's have Dalton, Zach, and Tyler come up here, please. 
I promise I won't embarrass you. That's the worst thing I ever dreaded was Sunday mornings when Pastor would ask me, Ryan or Brian, to come up and do these really embarrassing things with us. Come on up here, guys. Come on up here. How you doing, man? Good. Buddy. Zach. But what, what, let, me, let me paint a picture here as what's going on. Let's say that you two are carrying the Ark of the Covenant. So Dalton's going to face this way. You're going to come over here. Come towards me. Come towards me. Now put your hands above your head and hold it up there. All right? Put your hands above your head and do the same exact thing. Now you're Joshua. You're hanging out over here, so come move over here. All right? You guys are lifting up the Ark of the Covenant. Now Joshua says, well, God says to Joshua, I want you to cross the Jordan River. Well, Joshua says, how on earth are we going to do that? God says, I command you and I ask you and I tell you to grab the Ark of the Covenant. Have the men that carry it up above their heads, nice and high, nice and high. They're carrying up the head because for some reason they like to carry the Ark of the Covenant up like that. So as they're walking, and say here's the water. The water is right here. And Joshua says to his men, men, carry the Ark of the Covenant over here. <laughs> you come on over. So Joshua says that, and is the instant, freeze, the instant that the Ark of the Covenant comes in, and they say, say here's the water crates right about here. Tyler, I want you to step right here. Dalton, come follow right behind him, all right? The instant that they stepped in the water, the water began to flow and move apart. Now just picture that in your mind for a second. That'd be pretty cool, right? If you were holding the Ark of the Covenant, all of a sudden you stepped in water and it just went, either side, just like that, same exact noise, and it went and spread apart, and you guys stepped in the water, and here's Joshua hanging out back here with his people and saying, like, holy cow, the Ark of the Covenant, God just split the Jordan River. If you just picture that in your mind for a second of how insane that would be or how that would be now, it'd be like saying, this would be like us, and say who's, who's the leader? Zach. Zach is the leader of us, the Israelites, the Christians. And he says, take your Bibles above your head and go step in the Nile River. For some reason, we're in the Nile River. And the instant that they step in, the water just explodes on either side and creates these big walls. You would never get across because everybody would have their smartphones out taking pictures of it. If you really think about it, they'd be going across and everybody's like, wow, look at that. But what I'm trying to say is that it's crazy how awesome God is. Now, if you saw something like that, all right, would you post, if you had an, do you have an Instagram account? Yes. yes. If you had an Instagram account and you had, you had pictures of, would you post it on Facebook? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look what's going on. Hashtag God's doing great things, all right? You're walking across and you're like, wow. You would want to show the whole entire world what's going on. I didn't say put your hands down. I'm just kidding. You can put your hands down. Let's give these young men a round of applause. You guys go back to your seats. But that's kind of what's going on with, with Joshua here. Joshua is following God's command and wants to move through the Jordan River. And I'm sure Joshua had his doubts throughout the way. I'm sure Joshua was probably like, oh, we're going to cross the Jordan River. I mean, you just think how big the Jordan River is. And to think that you're stepping down in, carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which probably was pretty heavy. They're carrying it down in, and they're just standing there in awe of what God can do, in awe of the wonder of God. 
It just, it's, it's truly amazing. I was at National Fine Arts, which was in, that was last year, it was Orlando. And I don't know if anyone here has ever heard of the famous youth pastor, Jeannie Mayo. I don't know if anybody here has ever heard of Jeannie Mayo. She is a, Assemblies of God, you know, renowned, world-renowned youth pastor. And she, she preached this sermon, and it was the most random sermon I've ever heard in my life. And she had three different points in the same exact sermon, all saying different things. And for some, how she, she wrapped this all together at the end, and that's what I'm hoping to do at the end of this. Hopefully it all makes sense. So Joshua was standing in awe and wonder of God, of what God could do when they crossed the Jordan River. Paul experienced miracles in his own life. And the last person I want to talk about is in Luke chapter three, but I don't have to go there, I know this one pretty good, (laughs) is about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was in the water, nonetheless. You notice how famous water is in the Bible? You know, it's like the silent, famous person that you, you never see. It's like, it's so popular in the Bible, it's random, but um, John the Baptist is standing in the water. So it would be like all the people were up here and John was hanging out down here in the water and he's just straight up chilling. He's relaxing and he's preaching his guts out, probably just screaming and shouting. He probably looked really, really ragged too because John had this big nasty beard. He was a big woolly man. He was just this big dude just screaming and shouting. And I'm sure people were like, what is wrong with that guy? You know, what, what, what's this Messiah he's screaming about? What's this Messiah that he's shouting about? And he's down here in the water yelling to the people, screaming and shouting, preaching his guts out. And... Um, and is the more he preached, the more people came towards him. People kept asking him questions. There was Roman soldiers that asked him questions. There were peasants that asked him questions. There were lawmakers. I mean, anybody could come up to him. And then at the end, Jesus comes up. And I believe John and Jesus were cousins, correct? Yeah, they were cousins. I don't know why I'm doubting that. They were cousins. Now, It'd be like seeing my cousin Aubrey or Levi come up, except they were like Jesus, which is insane to think about to be related to Jesus. But John is sitting there preaching his heart out, giving it his all, pouring out his heart, exclaiming, it's, it's like when you're so experienced and overwhelmed by God that you become physically and spiritually tired afterwards. Like, I'm sure that John just, like, collapsed, but he's probably exhausted. But at the same time, he's so energized by the Spirit of God. So John is sitting here, not standing here, and he is screaming and shouting, chilling in the water, relaxing, preaching his guts out, and all of a sudden, Jesus walked up. They'd be like us sitting here in church. I'm nothing like John the Baptist. Um, They'd be like us sitting in church, and then Jesus just walked in the back door. Everybody'd be like, what? Like, that's insane. Everybody would be quiet. Jesus comes walking down, and he goes up to John, and he asks John to baptize him. And John baptizes him. At that moment, it's one of the sermons that stick in my mind the most that Pastor McGee ever preached, was he talked about 
I don't know if it was John the Baptist or it was a different John, but at that moment what I think about when John dipped Jesus in the water and he lifted him back up, could you imagine that feeling? Actually holding the Son of God in your hands. Think about Mary. Think about Joseph. I mean, they could say they got to spank Jesus. I mean, how often do you get to say that? I'm sure they probably never spanked him because he was a good kid, you know? But to, to think about that, to actually hold him in your arms, I mean, just, that would blow my mind. Being able to, how humbling that experience was, how John actually held Jesus. And I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In that moment, that he brought Jesus up. And God speaking, declaring this is my son, the Messiah, and the dove coming down. Could you imagine the goosebumps? I mean, could you imagine how truly amazing that would be to hold Jesus? You think about Joshua. Joshua got to hear Jesus. Paul got to interact. Well, I didn't, did he get to see Jesus? I don't, was he after? Anyways, but Paul being consumed by, by Jesus. And if, if you think about that, how truly amazing that would be. So in trying to tie this all together, which I promised I would try my best to do, I know there are three random, random scriptures. But if you think about it, it all starts with Joshua hearing from God, being humble, and saying, God, I don't know how to cross the Jordan River. I don't have any boats. I just have a bunch of people I gotta bring with me. And God's saying, I want you to take up the Ark of the Covenant, go stand in the water, and it'll part. And you're like, oh yeah, no problem. God, that'll happen, sure, yeah, why not? So it goes to happen, and the water parts, and the way is made, all because he was obedient to what God had asked him to do. Well, then it goes to John the Baptist, it's, it's like that river is within us. That river is the entryway into our own heart. So Joshua said, okay, I'll make the way. I'll trust you, God. I'll allow you to move. They move right through the water. Then John the Baptist. John actually got to hold Jesus. I mean, the power, the love, and that overwhelming feeling right there in your hands. You probably cry, manliest cry ever, you know? And he's, he's holding Jesus right there in his arms. And it's the same thing with us. We listen to Jesus. He comes through. We hold Jesus right in here. You know, that's like Pastor McGee always said, you know, coming to church is not a get out of hell free card. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. Come to church doesn't get you saved. But it's all about starting with Joshua. Allowing him in, being obedient, actually trusting that God will do something insane. Because God will, <laughs> that's for sure. God will. So it's trusting that God will come through, God will come into us. Then we hold God, right in here. As simple as that, God is dwelling within us, living within us. Such an amazing feeling. And then it all ends with Paul, is going out in doing it, in training those, continually preaching, continually moving. You know, I, um, I, uh, I, I tell a couple people here and there of how I actually got called into the ministry. 
Um, I was at youth camp. Brian Porzio was speaking, one of my favorite evangelists that I've heard, probably the favorite. And um, he was talking about that night, God being our first true love. We all go through life searching for love. You know, they all advertise it on TV and movies. It's, it's everywhere. It's in songs. And he talked about God being our first true love. And we were, at the end, all he asked us to do was to write a love letter to God, stick it in our pocket, stick it in our wallet, stick it in our bag back in our room, put the pen back up front, and then leave. That's all he asked. They moved all the chairs out of the way. Everybody just sat down, got in their own little personal cubicle with God, and just wrote. And I remember that feeling of writing that, and like, I was like I'm writing a love letter to God. This is a little odd, but it was so neat at the same time. And as I'm writing this letter, I finished it, and for a long time, I'd felt the call to preach. And I remember walking up to the front. I'm like, I'm gonna put my pen back, you know. I was like, I wanna keep it, but I can't. So I'm going up, and I remember as I was on my way up, the preacher grabbed me by the shoulder. He's like, I need to talk to you. And at that moment, I'm like, oh, man, what did I do? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I didn't do anything wrong. I promise. He's like, it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. He said, for a long time, you've been feeling the call to ministry, haven't you? And I said, yes, I have. He said, you run away from it a lot, don't you? I said, yeah. He said, you struggle with the fact that you love people so much that you want to pour all that you have, but you forget to fill yourself. I said, sadly, yes. <laughs> And he said, I'm here to confirm to you that God has called you to ministry. God has called you to preach. God calls us to preach. Some other than others. But it's all about being Joshua. Moving, allowing God, trusting God. It's all about being John the Baptist, holding God. I mean, like right here against his stomach. That's insane. Lifting him up. And then we're Paul, who was so consumed by God, intellectually, spiritually, any <laughs> way you could imagine, so consumed by God that he wants to continually preach. Let your life be a testimony of what God has done for you. Let your life speak. Actions, actions always speak louder than words. I could sit up here and preach the most boring sermon, the most amazing sermon, maybe even an okay sermon. It doesn't matter what I say. It's all about how I acted out. That's what Joshua did. It's all about actions. So that's what I wanted to talk about today, is continually preaching. I know there were three random points, but I like it when they come together like that, or at least I hope that it came together like that. But um, could I ask that we all come up front, like we usually do for communion in, in the uh, front pews and let's just pray for a little bit is that okay would that be alright with everybody you can just sit down or on the altar whatever, whatever is most comfortable for you you know that's one thing that I have been praying about lately is or so consumed by is prayer you know we could speak we could act but nothing gets changed unless we pray (laughs) and to share a story before we pray I was at youth camp everything amazing happens at youth camp that's why youth camp's awesome but I was at youth camp and Randy Don Giovanni was speaking and he said 
You know, one time in my ministry, I asked God that he would give me something or show me something that would continually motivate me and keep me on a path throughout my ministry, throughout my preaching, throughout my life. Give me, give me people to see, give me faces. And he said one night as he was praying, he was so consumed by God that in his, in, when his, I was closed in the spirit of God, he saw faces of kids he would reach in his ministry someday. And as that night, we were going back to our rooms, and uh, Pastor Rick from Tunkanok, PA, I think that's how you pronounce it, I'd never met the guy before in my life. I went to youth camp by myself that year, and he, he said, okay, everybody, you know, it's like 1130, everybody's like, oh, that's awesome, youth camp rocks, and he's like, okay, let's all go to bed, and everybody's real bummed, so I'm up in that top bunk, I'm just plucking away on guitar, you know, relaxing like I always do, and um, he said, guys, I want to share with you a story. He said, I wanted to give you this example. He said, well, you know how Pastor Randy talked about um, faces of kids that he would see in his ministry. We said, yeah, that was awesome. And he said, well, same thing happened to me. And everybody's like, really? That's so cool, you know? And um, he said, can I share it with you? And we said, please do. So we're all sitting there relaxing. I'm just chilling, you know? And he said, you know, I, I was probably about 28 years old, 30 years old, and I was moving through my youth ministry days, and he said that the one night he was sled riding, of all things, and he was praying and was just felt the presence of God that was just so real. And as he was praying, uh, he was going down a hill, and for some reason he had an extra hill that was a little bit steeper and sent him further, and he went into the woods, and he said as he opened his eyes on the trees, he saw faces of kids that he would see in his ministry someday. And everybody's like, that's awesome. And he's like, yeah, it'd be funny if one of them was in this room. He said, well, that's what I wanted to tell you. He said, that young man top bunk playing guitar was one of those faces that I saw on one of those trees. He said, some of those kids' faces I have not yet seen. So he said, you know, at the ripe age of 65, he said, I do not, I said, I do know that my ministry is not yet done. And I know that God has called me to greater things. Continually preaching. Continually moving forward. So I asked that we could just all bow our heads and pray. I'll turn my mic off. Let's just spend a couple minutes in just in prayer. Do you have any music you could play or something like that? I have to put you on the spot. Um, but let's just pray and ask God, help me to continually preach. Help me move. Help me grow. And what can I do to reach those who are lost?
I would like to um, open up this time. If I could ask that, if there's anybody that would like to be prayed with, um, if you would like to come up front and we could pray with you, I'd ask that um, board members or uh, adults would like to come up here and pray for them as well. Um, I know that I'm only 19. I'm not used to doing this kind of stuff, but I would just ask that if we could just all pray together as one. If there was anybody that would like to be prayed with, please come forward. Um, I would love to pray with you, and I'm sure the <laughs> everyone else would like to pray with you as well. So if there's anyone that would like to be prayed with, please come forward. If not, we can all pray together in, uh, in agreement, and we can. And so is there anybody that would like to be prayed with? If not, that's okay. I just wanted to open up the opportunity. No? All right, well, let's end this, let's, let's end this with prayer. Lord, we thank you. God, we come to you. We ask you for your presence, God. Lord, that we, people always say that, you know, oh, Lord, I can feel your presence. Your presence is already here. God, we thank you for that. As we go through our life, as every step that we take, every place that we drive, every place that we walk or we run or we bike to, whatever it may be, God, that you are right there with us, God, the church, the body of Christ, us, you living within us, God, and we thank you for that. Lord, that I pray that you would touch every single person, including myself here this morning, God, that you would use us. Call, you call us to continually preach like Joshua, like John the Baptist, like Paul, like Timothy. Wherever, whatever phase in life we are in, God, let us be used to our full potential and further beyond that. Lord, we thank you and we need you more than ever. Give us a great Sunday, a great beginning to this week, God. Let things change when we walk. People will notice us differently, Lord. Let us continually preach when all who else, when all else ceases, God, we will continually move. Lord, we thank you and we need you more than ever. In your name, amen. So, thank you.